Yes, it's great you have a job. Yes, it's great you may have a title. You may be in the room. But being present and honing into that and making your presence known. Like, I'm not just going to sit in a meeting and not talk. I'm going to say something. And my goal is that whatever it is that I say, I'm adding value. And people are like, oh, okay. She knows what she's talking about. Or, oh, I want to know more from her. I want to learn more from her. So believing in yourself, knowing that you are valuable, knowing that you're uniquely you, you bring something to the table that others don't is really important. It's Gabrielle Gambrell, and you're listening to Dreams and Drive. Hey, Dream Drivers, welcome to episode 342. Today, you guys are going to be hearing from my personal mentor, someone who I love dearly, Gabrielle Gambrell. So you may have first heard Gabrielle on episode 74, back when she was Gabrielle Simpson. And on that episode, we talked about how to build connections, find mentors, and network your way to success. So six years later, I wanted to have Gabby back in the guest chair to just share how she has grown since then and just all the lessons now that she has for you all. So here's a little bit more about Gabby, a.k.a. Gabrielle Gambrell. She is a founder, consultant, communications, branding, and media expert. She's currently serving industry-leading and award-winning sports, media, entertainment, consumer technology, and lifestyle brands, as well as talent and influencers. And on this episode, we're going to dive all into her career journey and how you can really advance in your career. And this is coming from a place of experience. Gabby has led award-winning marketing, internal and external communications, events and multimedia storytelling. Uh, That's digital, print, video, editorial and creative design team. She is a communications and public relations professional. Okay, guys, she's been at the top brands such as CBS, NBC, FCB Global, She even was in the top executive communications position at Columbia University. So there's a lot that we can learn from Gabby. Gabby is going to give the inside tips to what it was like to sit in the many rooms that she has sat in. We're talking about climbing the corporate ladder as a black woman, how to get a seat at the table, and really how to leverage your unique gifts to help you advance your career. But beyond that, we're also going to be talking about other things such as ageism, how financial literacy has really played a part in her professional and personal development, the role of motherhood. Gabby is the mother to two young children, the power of wealth building at a young age. And we're going to answer the question, can you have it all? So if you're excited, you should be. This is an episode that you want to make sure you listen to all the way to the end. If you aren't already, please make sure that you are following us across social. You can find us at Dreams and Drive, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And make sure you are part of our email newsletter, The Keys, and get weekly updates delivered right to your inbox. Just go to dreamsanddrive.com slash join. That's dreamsanddrive.com slash join. All right, let's hear from Gabby. Hi, Gabby. Welcome to Dreams and Drive. And I'm calling you Gabby, all right? You're forever Gabby in my head. <laughs> That's fine. You can call me Gabby. I'm honored to be your Gabby. For listeners who do not know, Gabby is one of my mentors. She is someone who's near and dear to my heart. We've known each other since I was 18. Um, fresh out of high school, uh, CBS intern. And you can actually listen to the part one of her story, which is episode 74 of the podcast. So we're not going to go into like 
your beginnings. We already have that part documented on the show, right? So if you want to know all about who Gabby is, how she got to where she is, you got to go back and listen to episode 74. But Gabby, that was that was recorded in 2017. Can you believe it? Like so much has changed. April so 2000 April 2017 was when that was released. So we probably recorded about a month before then. But just think about it. Five years ago, five and a half years ago. Do you even remember what life was like back then? <laughs> life was so different. I was a completely different person. The world was different. This life we know after COVID, uh, some are still saying we're dealing with COVID. It's just a whole new world, literally a whole new world. Yeah. Um. What do you think, if you could go back in time, right, and think about who you were in 2017? I want to say at this time you were still at NBC, right? Around sure. That- yeah, right. You were, I was, yeah. I was. 2017, I was at NBC. I was at Comcast NBC Universal. I was director of communications, leading diversity communications for the entire organization, dotted line into the chief diversity officer, diversity and inclusion officer, reporting into the head of corporate communications. I was definitely having a great time at NBC, where now I have some of my best friends in the world. So that was yes. 2017. So thinking about the mindset of who Gabby was then, right? Because you say, you know, you're not even the same person. Who do you think you were back then? And now fast forward, right? You're a wife. You're a mother. I want to say you moved into, like, you were still probably living in New York at that point, right? Did you already move? I into- was. In 2017, I think we purchased our house in... So I remember your 30th birthday party was at was your here. house. So that was five years ago. So, okay, maybe so you had just moved house, into your just house. Just moved into the house. Just moved into the house. So I, I just became a homeowner. So now, where am I now? Um, I have new titles, new hats. My best and most proud title is mother to two children. Wow, two. How do you do it? <laughs> it is hard. Shout out to all the mothers and fathers out there. Parenthood is no joke. Parenthood is the best hood I've ever been a part of, the best hood I've ever been to, but it is hard. It is really, really hard, um, but it means the world to me. Nothing means more than my children and being a mother to them and providing for them and teaching them and loving them. Um, And I'm also a wife, so balancing um, working in the corporate sector and owning my own boutique uh, PR marketing agency and just being present for my husband, present for my family, present for my children. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Yeah, so I would say like back then you didn't have those other titles and you really had to learn on how to like achieve that balance now, right? What's, Absolutely. Let's talk about career first. I think you're somebody who, when I look at your resume, if anyone to go, was to go on your LinkedIn, they would, they would have to step back and just give you all the applauses. Like, what do you think was your biggest challenge when choosing, hey, I want to go full force in my career, right? Because you decided to go from NBC to FCB, right? And you you made some career changes. Was that hard for you? Yes. All of the, besides my entry-level role, so I was hired after my internship. I interned on Live with Regis and Kelly, which is now Live with Kelly, uh, Ripa, and Ryan Seacrest. I was hired after my internship, which is a dream. That's what Mm -hmm. you want, especially working in media, working in television. Then I pivoted to CBS, which was awesome. So I'm staying in media. I'm staying in television. Um, I'm working in the industry that I love. And then even leaving CBS and going to Comcast NBC Universal, my previous boss at CBS said, look, Gabby, one day you'll have my job. 
Do not leave. You will have my job. You will be chief communications officer one day. Why would you leave? And I left to make significantly more money. <laughs> so number one, lesson one, right? <laughs> yes, yes, significantly more money. Um, and for just a new opportunity to sharpen my skills and to grow. And so when I left Comcast NBC Universal and I went to FCB Global, for those who are not aware, FCB Global is a global um, marketing advertising agency under uh, under IPG in a public group, 80 offices around the world. So I was number two reporting into the chief of comms, reporting into the chief marketing officer. I had direct reports around the world. I was traveling the world. I was working on activations at Cannes Lions Festival of Creativity in France, in Cannes, France. And for me, I got a plethora of international experience and learned like, hey, this is how things operate in this continent, in that continent. Are we talking about Shanghai? Are we talking about South Africa? Are we talking about Mexico? Um, and it was phenomenal for me in terms of professional development, honing in on international experience. And that's not something I had. I worked at huge, mega CBS, ABC, but I did not have that international component. And that was also very sexy to me about the FCB role. So in each role, I tried to say, okay, what can I really get out of this that I haven't had before? And that international experience was phenomenal. What were you learning about what it means to be a Black woman and and climbing the corporate ladder, right? Because, you know, I know you're also an entrepreneur. We'll talk about that, but let's talk about corporate Gabby, right? And what you were learning and a lot of us, you know, we want to climb the ladder, but we don't always understand what it takes. What were you learning during this time? Being cognizant of the leaders around you, finding mentors. So when I was at FCB, for the first time in my career, there were two senior Black women, the chief HR officer, Cynthia, Cindy Augustine, one of my mentors today, a Black woman. I never saw that before. Um, at CBS and at NBC, there was at NBC, um, the general counsel, um, Kim, uh, is a Black woman, but she was amazing and wonderful. Mm-hmm. And she's still at NBC, um, but she wasn't one of my mentors. So being able at FCB, I was more senior and having the accessibility to women that look like me in the C-suite. So Cindy Augustine, the head of HR, she's now at McCann, still under IPG. And Vita Harris um, is the chief strategy officer at FCB. So these two Black women saw the potential in me. They mentored me and took me under their wing. And I was able to be in places that perhaps a director should not have been in. So in terms of learning there, how can you get a seat at the table? Who Mm. do you need to perhaps finesse? Who do you need to fall in love with you? Who do you need to build a relationship so people can see the value that you bring, how amazing you are? Um, And that really was instrumental for me and wonderful. Um, And it was it was great. So I feel like one of my strong points in my career is I've got the gift of gab. Um, I am a relationship builder. I tell stories. I tell other people's stories, opportunities. Opportunities. Since I do press, I do PR opportunities to get some senior executives some press. And they're like, hey, Gabby got that for me. I like her. Um, and being able to utilize that to my benefit. You mentioned something about, you know, having people see potential in you. But does that start with seeing potential in yourself? 
Absolutely. So knowing that if you have any job that you have, you have it because you're qualified. Any room that you're in, you're in the room because you're qualified to be there. And so, yes, it's great you have a job. Yes, it's great you may have a title. You may be in the room. But being present and honing into that and making your presence known. Like, I'm not just going to sit in a meeting and not talk. I'm going to say something. And my goal is that whatever it is that I say, I'm adding value. And people are like, oh, okay. She knows what she's talking about. Or, oh, I want to know more from her. I want to learn more from her. So believing in yourself, knowing that you are valuable, knowing that you're uniquely you, you bring something to the table that others don't is really important. You bet on yourself. You got to bet on yourself. No, I was going to say that, but like, you know, there there might be someone listening in and be like, but Gabby, that's your personality, right? You could right. do it, but I'm not that person. I'm shy. I don't know. I have the skills, but I don't know how to project that outward, right? What tips would you have for that person? Because I get that all the time because we, we both are like extroverts, right? We know yes. how to work the room, but that's not true for everybody, right? Absolutely. Excellent point. For those who may be a little bit soft-spoken, for those who may be an introvert, for those who may even be shy and not know how to tell their story, you need to communicate it in one way or another. So maybe you're not vocal. Maybe you're not shouting out. Maybe as soon as the meeting leaves, you're taking thorough notes and you send an email like, hey, these are just some additional thoughts I had. I would love to further discuss it. So you still need to, in some way, shape or form, communicate your value and what you bring to the table and your knowledge, your expertise. Everyone, regardless of title, regardless of where you are, you have some sort of expertise. There's something you do better than anyone else. So for instance, I also teach at Columbia University. I teach at NYU. Why do I know to tell all my clients that it makes sense to be on TikTok? How do I know about the algorithms on TikTok? Yes, I study digital marketing, but I also work with Gen Z. And I tell my students to teach me. You know <laughs> yes. stuff. You are experts in this. Gen Z are digital first. I need to use that digital first to better do my job. So everyone needs to realize there's something that you do extremely well, and you need to communicate that. It may not be you shouting out in a meeting. It may not be um, you even sending an email. Maybe and you're still in the office, maybe you walk into someone's um, office and speak to them. Maybe you put time on someone's calendar, five, 10, 15 minutes to talk to them one-on-one. Maybe that's more comfortable for you, but you have to let your presence be known and your value. No, I love that. I mean, I think that's something that people can say, like your presence is known. You know Gabby's presence, right? So you were in media and communications and then you made this huge career shift. Well, I'll say it's huge, but maybe it's not because you were still doing the same type of stuff. Going into higher education, yes. what what made you want to do that? And you know, there might be people listening who want to want to try new industries. Was yes. it something you was it purposeful, or was it were you recruited for that? I was recruited for that. So when I was at FCB Global, it was one of the best jobs I've ever had. Working with dynamic people, my boss is a member, my former boss at FCB Global was a member of the LGBTQ community. He's a gay man. I had these dynamic Black women around me. It was just a diverse, diverse place. And I loved it. And I was extremely happy traveling the world in my 20s, no kids. It was awesome. Um, But I was uh, contacted by a recruiter. And 
I tell everyone this, your success is often dependent upon your boss. Your boss can make or break your career. You want to work for ambitious people. You want to work for smart people. You want to work for people that see potential in you and people that you think will lift you up a little bit higher. So when a recruiter reached out to me and said, hey, I have a role. This person's looking for someone specifically with a media background, someone to be their personal publicist, someone to elevate their brand. Um, I said, I'm not really interested. She said, just meet the person, give her five minutes of your time. And I was very impressed um, with my former boss. She was the first woman to, um, uh, one of the youngest women to lead an Ivy League institution. And you know that world, you're an mm-hmm. Ivy League grad. It's a very interesting world working <laughs> in higher ed and then at Ivy Leagues. And so personally, I'm extremely passionate extremely passionate about higher education. As a Black woman, I'm a fourth-generation college graduate. My great-grandparents attended HBCUs because I couldn't attend anywhere else. My grandparents are proud grads of Howard University. My mother attended Howard University. My brother attended HBCU. I'm extremely passionate about higher ed and learning and education. And when I finished my master's at 22, I became a professor. So now it's crazy. I've been a professor for well over a decade. I'm 35. Um, So that there was some intrigue there into higher ed because I'm passionate Mm -hmm. about education and I was a professor at the time. And what was really sexy to me about the position is I believe I was 30 or 31 and I took the role and I made history. I was the first black woman to leave. Tell them the title. Tell them the title because we got to tell them the title. I was was in the C-suite. I was chief marketing officer and chief communications officer. I was the first black woman to ever hold that title um, at Barnard College of Columbia University. Barnard is one of Columbia University's undergraduate colleges. First black woman to hold the title as well as the youngest. So that was also attractive to me as well, Mm -hmm. um, making history. And I did a total reorg. I brought the team up from about 11 people to 25 people. Um, It was a interesting time. I was there throughout the pandemic and then made the shift into tech where I am now, which is an interesting sector Um, As we're seeing just before the holidays now, a lot of changes are happening across tech. Um, And then just being a Black woman in tech is interesting. And what I love is that I've been able to find a community and be a part of a community of other Black women in tech, which is amazing. The inspiration from others drive us forward. Their resilience pushes us to excel and their path navigates the way towards freedom. Ford is proud to celebrate Black history, not just this month, but year-round. They're committed to being the fuel for change, supporting Ford Fund programs centered around economic, educational, and empowerment opportunities for our communities to continue creating the future. Learn more at FordFund.org. Built Ford Proud. Cartier, Rolex, Gucci, Prada, Jordan, Adidas, Bottega, Veneta. At eBay, it's real or it's getting the fake out. eBay's team of luxury authenticators are making sure you never get faked over again. Watches inspected by watch aficionados, sneakers checked by legit sneakerheads, handbags examined by handbag connoisseurs, and jewelry in the scopes of expert gemologists. These authenticators are leaders in their field with meticulous eyes, making sure your piece arrives as authentic as your style and worthy of your collection. 
As experts, they know the true difference between a real and a fake. Real carries that rare, distinguished feel. The weight of pure platinum, exquisite scent of Togo leather, the tight stitching on a pair of dunks, the brilliance of real diamonds. So rest assured, your Rolex moves just like a Rolex should, and that colorway on your Jordan Royals will always be on point. The details inspected, the fakes rejected. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Everyone deserves real. Visit ebay.com for terms. Dream drivers, what does it mean to be black and unlimited? It means being exactly who you are. To be unlimited in your potential, to be unlimited in your creativity, to be unlimited in your imagination, and to be unlimited in your vision. Throughout the year, join Walmart in amplifying the voices of black brands and creators, giving them a stage to spotlight their unlimited brilliance. That's Black and Unlimited. Visit walmart.com slash black and unlimited to learn more. What have you found? It's like being a younger person in the C-suite or just at these executive positions. Because when I look at you, I'm like, wow, we're almost in the same age range, right? And you're just so accomplished. Do you ever feel like your peers, your colleagues at work, or do you ever feel like that's used to your detriment or you have to work harder sometimes to prove your worth? Well, I will say when I was working in higher ed, um, and ageism is a thing, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it's just a thing. When I was working in higher ed, a colleague told me, um, who a colleague, I was C-suite, so they were Mm -hmm. also C-suite. And she told me, I have clothes older than you. I said, well, you should go shopping. (laughs) Wait. Um, And so if I was not her peer, if I was not in C-suite, in no way, shape, or form do I think I would have felt empowered to say that. But I've now gotten to a place where I can flex a little bit and I own who I am and I know and I know and I know that I deserve to be there. Um, but ageism is a thing. In some instances, it has really worked to my advantage. When I was at CBS and NBC, I launched the company's social medias. I created the Twitter page. I created the Facebook page. I was one of the youngest ones there. And they're like, social media, Gabby, go handle that. And I gladly did so. So there are times where you can really own being the youngest. There's times where you can own being seasoned. There's times where if you've experienced something before, you know how to deal with a situation, you can lean into that. You can own that. Um, But I do recognize, unfortunately, that ageism can work negatively and it can work in your favor it's a thing ageism unfortunately is a thing you know i think i just think it is like um inspirational like you can it doesn't don't let your age hold you back from going for those higher positions right like or going for those jobs that you think oh i need to be older but if you're qualified or even if you know you have what it takes to get to that still put yourself out there that's the thing that i'm learning now just re-entering the corporate world right how were you able to like throughout your time in corporate, I feel like you've always had your outside passions, right? You've always, I said, you always keep something on the side. Was that important to you? Because I know also, you're also about wealth building, right? You're also about having, having multiple revenue streams. Was that always something that you kept? That was part of your strategy all along? Yes. Since I was a teenager, I always had, so something that, um, a lot of wealthy people do. And I feel like when I talk to my friends um, in the Black community, they're not aware of this. And I'm grateful that my father taught me this. So at 13 years old, I had a credit card. And my father 
I was mature enough to handle that. And my father instilled in me the significance of a high credit score. You may not have any money in your pocket, but if you got this credit card, you could live for a little bit. <laughs> um, and so by the time I was 18, I had a high a FICA score. I had a high credit score. And probably by my 20s, I was in the 800s, well in the 800s. And so me having this credit card that I used to build my credit, I needed a job to pay that off. So when I would go to the movies with my friends as a teenager, I would swipe my credit card. When I would buy, go to school shopping, back to school shopping or whatever, I would use my credit card. So as soon as I could work on the books, I worked. So I think at 13, I might've like, done some funky stuff to lie to get a paycheck, <laughs> um, but I had a paycheck. But then in, when I was 15, back then, you could legally work. So I worked at the mall. I've worked at Express. I've worked at Victoria's Secret. I've worked at the little kiosk selling random stuff in the mall. And since I was a teenager to this day, I always have minimum three streams of income. Minimum. And so... N- Everyone doesn't necessarily have to have that many streams of income, but I do really believe in multiple streams of income and it makes a tremendous difference. And you you started this off by saying this is what wealthy people do. Is it the credit card or is it just the multiple streams of income? Both. Both. Okay. Having uh, excellent credit, having business lines of credit, having multiple streams of income. Life is so expensive as we are coming into the holidays and just thinking about going shopping, grocery shopping. Oh my um, gosh. You know how much eggs cost nowadays? It's yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> I was just at a baby shower and one of the games at the baby shower was to guess the price of milk, guess the price of eggs. Girl, I was so off. My husband goes grocery shopping, but it is ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. Life is so expensive and it's getting more and more and more expensive. And what helps in this world where everything is getting more expensive is having multiple streams of income. It's unfortunate that in America, nine times out of 10, your regular day-to-day job may not be able to give you the income you need to live very comfortably. Um, and if you want to be really comfortable, and I strive to be very comfortable, I strive um, my children, my daughter is five months old. She just turned five months a couple of days ago. She's had six flights. Like we're catching flights. Um, I'm very blessed and fortunate that um, we travel really well. Um, she has a passport. My son, by the time he was two years old, had visited a few countries. So those things are important to me. And I recognize that's luxury. That's not the norm. So if I want a life of luxury, I have to make sure I can afford it. And so that's why it's also important to have multiple streams of income to make sure that we are bringing in a specific dollar amount to live this life that certain people want to have. Or for me, I love to travel. I want my children to travel. I want my children to see the world. Um, I don't ever want to tell my children um, that we can't do something because of finances. Now, they may not be able to do something because I say no, right? (laughs) Because mommy says no, or daddy says no, or they need to learn the significance of hard work that is imperative. But my children are blessed. They're trust fund babies. They have significant amount of money saved. And I contribute significantly monthly to both of their accounts, to their trust funds, to their 529s, to their IRAs. Um, And that's really important to me that I am setting them up for financial success. And I'm also 
teaching them the value and significance of money. It sucks, but money is important. Making money is important. Having money is important. It sets you apart. It impacts the way you live and impacts your lifestyle. And we don't talk about it enough as people of color. We don't share our secrets. We don't divulge our secrets. We don't tell people how it is that we're driving around in a $100,000 car or that we become a homeowner I became a homeowner at 27 years old in New York. I brought a six bedroom house in New York at 27 in my twenties. That's not something you see all the time. How did I do it? I saved aggressively. I had multiple streams of income and I had phenomenal credit. And these things are important if you're looking to achieve certain things. You just dropped so much on here. And I want to really stay with this because I think it's just something, if you want to be a dream driver, I think that financial stability and that financial wealth building is important. So you talked about your streams of income. You have your you had your regular, we can call it nine to five, right? Correct. You had you're a professor. So of course you're not doing it, you're not volunteering, right? right. You are getting paid. You have your own um you all you have your own communications firm, right? Where you have freelance right. clients. Uh-huh. What are some other were there other revenue streams there? And I'm just if if you don't mind sharing as inspiration, right? Because I think people need to see what you can do so that they know they can achieve that for themselves, right? So right yeah. now I'm at three. Yes. What other stuff? Those are those are those are my three main sources of income right now. And so, but even before that, when I was at CBS, I graduated college at 20 years old. And when I graduated college at 20, I still worked part-time in the admissions office at Iona University, where I'm proud to serve on the board. Um, So I worked in admissions. I worked in athletics when there was a basketball game, when there was a sporting event, I would be there collecting tickets. I babysat. Um, I live in Westchester, New York. Right now, babysitters make between $20 and $30 an hour. That's a lot of money. So I was making just cash, $20 an hour babysitting, picking kids up, taking them to ballet on Saturday, taking them to soccer practice. And I was working at CBS. So I was hired after my internship at ABC. Then I was working at CBS corporate and I still babysat. I got a corporate job. I have benefits. Really? I didn't know that. You was Yes. Wow. I, I still babysat $20 an hour. I'll take it. Um, I still worked in admissions part-time. I still gave tours at as, as an alum. I was getting my master's. So I was still affiliated with the program. So from 20 to 22, I was in graduate school. And so I had I always, and even going back to being a teenager, having multiple streams, when I was a teenager um, in high school, I filed papers at a law office. And I worked at the mall. You were making network. You were making connections. Everything you're doing too, right? And I feel like you're somebody who was fostering those relationships you were making along the way. Like being a board, being on a member of the board at Iona College as a Black woman, right? That's also strategic. Like your college network, now you're on the board. Let me tell you a funny story about sitting on the board. And so um, I was talking to a fellow board member and... um, He was like, how was your journey here today? I said, oh, you know, I live in Westchester, so I live close to Iona. I said, oh, it was an easy drive. He's like, yeah, I just flew in. And I, even naive myself, I said, oh, okay, what airline did you fly? He said, Gabby, I own a plane. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Right? Like these things that you take, like, oh, people own planes. People have private planes and they travel here and there on a private plane. Like that is normal to some people. Um, And so that was just a little lesson for me to like, remember the rooms that you're in. Um, And I just humbly smiled, which was funny. Um, But being on boards, I'm also on the board of New York Women in Communications um, with dynamic women leaders from 
um, all over the state of New York, a lot in New York City who work at leading companies. The president is from Spotify. We have people from um, all leading companies on the board. And so being able to network with them, being able to say, hey, what are you working on? How do you handle this scenario? And it's important that people know who you are. So as I'm networking and meeting with these phenomenal, amazing people, they're also meeting me. Um, and that's really important as well. It's more important that people know who you are than you know who they are. But do you need people? Does it work both ways though, right? Can it work? I guess people... It needs it to work both it ways. It doesn't always have to work both ways because other people can speak your names in rooms that you're not in. Yes, and that's what's more important. It's more important that people speak your names when you're not in the room, that people are like, oh, she's amazing. She's phenomenal. You need to meet her. You need to collaborate with her. But then you also need to know people, right? So if you have an issue or if, let's say, you're looking for a job at this company, you can call someone up and say, oh, I know someone at that company. I know someone at that company. I am very grateful that I mentor a lot of people being on the board at Iona. And some of my mentees will reach out to me and say, hey, I just applied for a job at this company. Can you connect me with someone? Nine times out of 10, the answer is yes. Let me make a phone call. Let me see who I know at that company. Oh, off the top of my head, someone comes to mind. So that's important. Having a network that continues to grow and grow and grow is important. And it's important that people know who you are and what it is that you do and the value that you can bring to any group, any organization, any company. To me, home ownership is more independence, a little bit more control, a little bit more space. Like This is literally mine. Buying your first home is a big milestone, but it can also be overwhelming. I'm Nadeska Alexis, and I'm getting an insider's view into the home buying process on the new podcast, Beginner to Buyer. Tune in to get the tools and tips that'll help you buy your first home. Listen on wherever you get your podcasts and learn more by visiting beginnertobuyer.com. Um, something that you talked about, if we're talking about like wealth building and just making sure that you are, I guess, increasing in life, right? You talked about saving aggressively, but also you're somebody who still gets what you want, right? Like you're not going to be Gabby driving around a 2000 Toyota, right? Like not saying that that's bad, but what I like about your story is that you can figure out how to have those luxury things, right? But still have these goals. Like what was that mindset for you where you're like, hey, I'm still going to save, but I'm still going to enjoy life because I think that's where a lot of us get caught up in. I know myself coming from an immigrant culture, it was always like, you don't need that. You don't need that. Just save, save, save. But you still need to enjoy life, right? Yes. Yeah, so I realized more recently than ever that life is short. Um, one of my close friend's mother died of breast cancer at 50 years old. My godmother died unexpectedly working really hard, stressed out, overworked. And I was raised by my godmother. My daughter is named after her. Um, she is my mother. I would call her mommy. Um, and she died at 55 of a heart attack. She was stressed out at work. Um, she was overwhelmed. They did massive layoffs. She took on about nine people's work. She was working around the clock. And fortunately, she died. Heart attack, stress can kill you. Um, life is short. I say that to say life is short. And I learned that life is short. When I was 13 years old, both of my grandmothers died three days apart. They both had cancer. I saw a lot of death at a young age. And I was reminded more recently that life 
is short. Now, I want to be here for as long as possible. I want to see my children grow. I want to see them get married and have children. And I look forward to being a grandmother, even though that's very, 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 very far from now, as I have a five-month-old and a three-year-old toddler. But because life is short, I want to enjoy life. And because I've learned that a lot of times, especially women of color, we give our all to companies. We give our all to these well-known companies and mean so much for us to say we work for this company or we work for that company. And when it comes time to let, be laid off, you can be laid off and then you're out of luck. And how do you provide for your family? So when that happens, how can you prepare for something terrible like a layoff? You have money set aside. You are not dependent on one stream of income and you live life. You don't work 24-7. You don't work around the clock. You take care of you. And so getting back to me having the luxury, I do come from humble beginnings. I have been homeless. Um, I've like have had difficulties in my childhood. It hasn't always been sexy and glamorous. And because I've had hardships as a child, I don't ever want my children to go through that. I don't ever want my children to worry about shelter or food or anything like that. So I work immensely hard so that that's not a concern for them. In the same token, my husband, he's also an Iona University grad. We met in college. Um, my husband is one of the first in his family to graduate from college. I'm super proud of him. He's an executive at his job now. He works in real estate development, but he too comes from humble beginnings. So because we come from humble beginnings, we work hard, we save, we enjoy life. We will hop on a plane. We love a tropical beach. Um, and so those things are important because I've learned that life is so short because I've learned that companies will say goodbye to you in a second and you can't give your all to this company. You take care of yourself. And for me, taking care of myself is me driving my 2022 car. Me taking care of myself is, hey, let me, you know, we're all going to be first class this flight. Those things bring me happiness and bring me joy. Now I work very hard. I It takes a lot of time, energy to work three jobs. What I've learned and as I grow in my career is you need more help, right? How can I manage all these things? How can I work three jobs? I've got help. Sometimes I hire someone to cook. My housekeeper comes every week and that helps me to get other things done. Um, I have a staff of about 10 contractors that support me. I just brought on some new talent, an amazing um, person to help with my consulting firm, to help with my PR and marketing. She's awesome and her resume is phenomenal. So getting more help that makes me more money to allow me to be more free, to have happiness and to have joy. I love that. And I just think it's like, if you feel like you can't do it, listen, Gabby has found a, a recipe for success that works for her. And you can also find yours as well. Um, and the thing that I really want to talk about too, because we can't not talk about this, is just motherhood in general, right? We are both now mothers. And five years ago, I don't know if you were thinking about motherhood five years ago. I probably, I wasn't, right? You just moved into your house. Were you engaged at that point? I thought you had gotten engaged after, right? After, after. Yeah, so then you got married, then you had J2, right? Then you, now you have Gigi. How do you, how do you think motherhood, I know you talked about it in, you know, in parts during that conversation, but how has it really informed who you are as a person now? Yes. So the first people that I think about, I love my husband with everything in me. We've been mm -hmm. together a really long time, but my kids, I think about my <laughs> children. I want them to have an amazing life. I want them to be humble. I want them to know about hard work, um, about being tenacious. I 
think about my children. What is it that they're learning? What is it that they're consuming? How are they growing? How are they being just set up for success? And learning the value of money, learning the value of hard work, um, having, you always want your kids to have a better life than you. And so like I said, I've come from humble beginnings. My husband comes from humble beginnings. We want our children to do well. Um, And so I think about how I can give them the life that they deserve and also teach them. Um, Things weren't always easy for me. Things weren't always easy for my husband. And things are a little bit easier for your kids as they should be, right? You want your kids to have a better life than you have, but you also want them to know the value of hard work. Um, And so I teach my son like opportunities about money. The other day, before he even turned three years old, he said, we were at Chuck E. Cheese. I love Chuck Mm -hmm. E. Cheese. So I took him to Chuck E. Cheese and he said, mommy, I'm out of tokens. I'm, I need some more money. And I said, mommy doesn't have any more money. He said, yes, you do. Give me your credit card. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you two-year-old. Okay. Did he really say that? Oh he my said that. Gosh. He said, give me your credit card. You have money. And I'm like, you know what? I've been teaching him about credit cards. I've been talking to my two-year-old about credit cards. Now three-year-old about the significance of being responsible with your credit cards. I said, all right, you can have just five more dollars to play games at Chuck E. Cheese. And I let him put the credit card in the machine to load the card up. Um, if we're going to an ATM, if I'm going into a bank to make a transaction, I bring him with me into the bank. When we go to the grocery store, I say out loud how much an item is. I tell him what the budget is. Okay, if our budget is $30, we're just coming for a few things. The bacon costs $7. Now we have this much left. And so I try to reiterate things to him. He has a cashier. He plays with his cashier. He has a Mickey Mouse. He loves Mickey Mouse. He has a Mickey Mouse cashier. He has Mickey Mouse credit cards. So still trying to teach him the value of money and that things cost. Because before that, before I started telling him these things, we would go and he would try to grab candy. I'm like, no, no, no. You have to pay for that candy. That candy (laughs) costs money. So being able to find opportunities to teach my children about wealth building, to teach them about finances is something that it, it brings me joy. How do you think, like, let's think about when he's in college. How do you think the world's going to be different for him in, how old is he now? Three and 15 years, right? That is so interesting. I cannot imagine how much college will be in 15 years. And you want him to go to college, right? Oh, absolutely. Now, if there is for some reason, he is an artist. He loves to draw. He loves to sing and dance. He loves music. Um, He's going to start piano lessons soon and guitar and drum. And so if he goes a different route to success, I'm okay with that. Um, But I am passionate about education. I would love to see him graduate from college. I would love to see him attend college. There has to be a special circumstance. (laughs) There has to be a really special circumstance that he does not go to college. But thinking about when he is 18, how much college would be. Um, He has a 529. I would hope that his 529 would take care of the bulk of his college expenses. I graduated college with $150,000 in school loans. I am 35. I still own a significant amount of school loans. I've paid off all of my private loans. I only have my federal loans left. I'm waiting for 
Um, but my children will not graduate with six figures worth of debt for college. And I'm grateful for that because if I did not, I am immensely successful. I am so blessed. I'm so blessed. God is so good. He is so faithful. But if I didn't have $150,000 worth of debt graduating from college, I probably will own multiple properties right now. Um, so it is a thing. So those are the things I think about when my husband, my, my child graduates from college, when my kids go to college, I want them to graduate without student loan debt. I want them to graduate and be set up for success. What's something right now, Gabby, that's keeping you up at night? Like what's the big challenge that you're facing in your life or career? You know, something we could talk about. Cause I think, you know, it's, it's nice to always talk about all these things that are going on, but like, what's really just something that you're working through right now? Yeah, I think time management is always a challenge. So my calendar, if it's not on my calendar, it's not happening. And that means everything needs to go on my calendar. So play dates, like making sure my son has play dates, making sure we're in the Northeast. It's cold. It's getting cold (laughs) now. But I still want my son to go outside. I still want him to play. So what does that look like? What activities can he be a part of? Um, My son, he's in gymnastics. He's in soccer. He's about to start karate. And like I said, he's also going to start music. I want to be there. I just don't want a babysitter taking him to these appointments. I want to see him um, kick a brick for the first time. So that time management is something that keeps me awake and I I spend time pondering on that. It it is a challenge. And now with two children, with my son, he was a pandemic baby. So I nursed him for two years and he was next to me. We were in the house. I think about, I may not nurse my daughter for two years. And breastfeeding is very important to me. I was breastfed for over two years. Um, My father was breastfed. And so that nursing is important to me. I believe in it for a whole list of reasons, but things I think about like, okay, I'm balancing a few hats. My daughter's going to go to daycare earlier than my son. Um, What does that look like in terms of nursing? I don't, some women are amazing and phenomenal at pumping a bunch of milk. I don't do that. Should I be doing that? I should, but I don't, I don't have the time. (laughs) I don't have the time. It's not as easy. So those are the things. Those are the things that are challenges. Those are the things that I think about that are still important to me, immensely important. But it it is a challenge. That time management factor is a challenge. Is it one of those things where you might have to give up something else? Or is it, you know, like what's the solution do you you think you'll find? Or is it just That's one a of the great things? question? When it comes down to it, my you kids have it all, right? Is you, it- can't, you can't have it all. You can have it, but you having it all is like, eh. Um, there's no such thing as true perfection. It may be perfect for you. Yeah. The idea of perfection may be perfect for you, but this whole perfection, it really needs to be perfect for you. So what makes things perfect for me is that when it comes down to it, my family will come first. If I have to travel for work. So recently um, I had a client that wanted me to be present. And so I sent somebody else on my team because I needed to be with my family for something. And so compromising, I love to travel. I love, love, love to travel, but my family comes first. So that idea of what's perfect for me is that, hey, who's coming first? Is it your children? Is it your husband? Is it your family? And that's really important. And I feel like that's something that's been a theme through your life. Right? You've always prioritized and realized like what you... 
what you prioritize is the what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like when you prioritize something, you'll get that back. Does that make sense? Right. You know, that investment that you're making into whatever you're prioritizing at the time is going to reap reap what reap the rewards that you're seeking. Does that make sense for you? Absolutely. And it makes me think of a colleague of mine, former colleague. We work together at CBS. He works at a tech company right now. He's very senior and his kids are in middle school, junior high school. And he said, I can't be in this job when my kids go to high school. And I said, why? You love working for the company. He said, I've missed too much of my kids' upbringing. I don't want to miss prom. I don't want to miss sporting events. So when they get to high school, I'm switching my job because it's more important for me to be present for my kids. I'm working really hard. I'm saving aggressively. But when they get to high school, I'm switching my job. And I thought that was really interesting. So everyone really needs to think about and focus on what's most important. You may be making sacrifices right now for a better future. And I do sacrifice some things now, but some things have become non-negotiable. You learn to say no. And I think that's something. And you, I think you've also There's learned- power you, in saying no, but right? that's not something I did when I was younger. That is not something I did in my 20s. I did not say no very often in my 20s. And now in my 30s, I have learned to say no. And it took a long time. And it's not just saying no to careers. It's saying no to friends. It's saying no to family sometimes. Um, and that may not be easy, saying no to people you love, people you respect, but there is power. There is immense power. And it is a form of self-help. It's a form of Um, Mental health is a form of self-care and saying no. When you feel like giving up, Gabby, like what's that thing that keeps you going? I know your children, right? I know your children, I know your family, Uh but is there something else that, that fuels you? When the tank is empty, when the tank is empty and I'm feeling low and I'm like, oh, I need to keep pushing. I need some fuel. I need to keep driving. I honestly turn to God. I am very spiritual. Um, I'm a Christian. I'm very proud of being a Christian. I'm proud of my faith. I'm very proud in my personal relationship with God. Um, he will never leave me nor forsake me. I recite scriptures when I get frustrated, when perhaps there may be anxious thoughts or overwhelming thoughts. I will stop what I'm doing, close my eyes and pray. And sometimes I'll just pray with my eyes open. People can think, what's Gabby looking at? She like frozen off and I'm like literally praying. So that has really centered me. My relationship with God, my faith has centered me. It is the essence of who I am. Um, I'm a very giving person. I've got the gift of gab. I love to give. I love to give. I love to give. And I hope that when people see that I'm a giving person, that I like to give back, that I like to make a difference, that I like um, to impact, positively impact lives, that some people will say, that's the God in her. And that's really important uh, for me too. And I will say that during this time of the pandemic, where I used to be extremely active and go to church in person, that is something that I miss. I'm not at church every Sunday. Um, COVID has changed the world, changed the world. So yeah, that's even something that I can challenge myself to be better in, to just be more active and more present. Um, A friend of mine um, recently had a death in the family and I went to um, the church that I attended all of my twenties and just being in the house of the Lord even though it was to celebrate a life, a life well-lived and a beautiful life. But being in the house of the Lord, it was a blessing for me. Like I, I was so happy to be in the house of the Lord. So 
that's important to me. It gives me fuel. Talking to God, being with God, reading the scripture, praying, praying, praying gives me fuel. Is there something that's on your list, Gabby, that like you really want to explore that's exciting you? Like, I can't wait to, if I have time, I want to get into this, or there's just something that's going on in the communications world where you're like, this is going to be exciting and I can't wait to see how I can impact this. Like, what's on your dream list right now? I guess that's the question. I can't wait for communications. I can't wait to see what happens with Twitter and what comes next. I think there's an amazing opportunity for Meta, for Facebook to take that audience. Um, You think it's going to be dead? You think it's really going to die? I don't know if it's going to die, but it's unlikely that it'll be the same. I know I've pulled back. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of my clients to pull back unless they absolutely have to use the platform. Um, So that will be interesting to see what fills that void. And Black Twitter is real. That's what I was going to say. What are we doing? doing? And it's funny, but it also made me think like, it's so crazy how even at my company, right? And I think I can say this, like, Twitter is a product that we sell, right? And like, so it's so important for you to own something of yourself and to make sure that you can lean on just in case somebody else's platform falls. What do you have, right? Like, what do you have to sit on? Like for people who have made these huge followings on Twitter, did you have an email list? Did you have... That's the thing that I think is really... There's lessons learned from this for sure. One of my clients has well over... Uh, a quarter of a million followers on Twitter and Twitter is her largest platform. And she's done a lot of business deals with Twitter. And so as she now is growing her presence on other platforms since the occurrences of Twitter over the last couple of weeks and months, um, it'll be interesting to see her soar and see her community follow her. That's why it's so important to have a community that people will go where you go. Even thinking about community, people who are diehard LeBron James fans probably never saw themselves cheering for the Lakers, but LeBron's in LA now, so now they're Lakers fans. They're LeBron slash Laker fans. So that community, um, sticking with the community is important too. And seeing what that looks like in the future, seeing the future of content development, seeing the future of community, online community development excites me. I'm excited about that stuff too. Like we're, we're in for a ride to see how this pans out. And just yeah. to show you what you could do when you have money. I mean, also he's a white man, so that's different, right? <laughs> the things that you can do when you have money and the privilege to say, right. hey, I'm going to drop this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to switch this up. And also the failures, the things that don't work, giving people the ability to pay to get verified and <laughs> oh, it God. doesn't work and you don't lose your job. You make a huge mistake and it's we okay. You, can you lose the job if you own it, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's a lesson in ownership right there. Absolutely. All right, Gabby. Last thing, you know, if you want to be a dream driver, you have to have your keys to success. We talked about a lot of things on today's interview, but just tell me, what are three things that you think every dream driver needs in their toolkit before they hit the road? One is um, a board of directors and mentors. Some people that can help you to direct your life, some people that you can talk to finances about, Some people that you can say, hey, am I getting paid what I should be getting paid? Someone that you can say, how do I get to the next level? And then you need your personal community of people that love you and want to see you succeed. Because when you are failing, when you are tripping, when you are going over a hurdle, they'll get you straight. 
You need somebody every once in a while to say, hey, that's not working. Hey, you need to fix this. Hey, you need to adjust. You need to reverse. You need to back it up. And having that sounding board of people that will help you to do better, to look better, to feel better, to encourage you is important. Um, And then you need to be committed to success, whatever that looks like. Um, So it may be monetary, it may be um, a title, a title, a position, whatever, whatever success looks like for you. It may be motherhood, right? How do I become a mother? Maybe it's not the traditional ways of becoming a mother, but I've always wanted to be a mother. You should have a roadmap to make that happen. You're a nurturing person. You want to nurture someone. You want to give that. How do you make that happen? The things that seem attainable, how do you obtain them? And how do you have a roadmap to obtain those things that may seem hard, but it's possible? I love that. I love board of directors, people that love and nurture you and being committed to success. Those are all things that we could start. If you don't already have those in your toolkit, make sure you add them. So tell our listeners where they can connect with you online, where they can learn more about you. Because listen, Gabby's always sharing gems all day long. So please let us connect. Yes. Uh, you can visit me on giftofgabrielle.com. That's giftofgabrielle.com. Um, I'm at underscore giftofgab underscore on all social platforms. And if you want to hear about money, I talk about money on Instagram at underscore giftofgabrielle underscore. So follow me on all those places. Connect with me. Um, I'm happy to chat. I'm happy to connect and to be of service. All right. So that's a wrap for this episode of Dreams and Drive. I hope you enjoyed our guest's dream driving journey as well as listening to their keys to success. If you love this episode, you know what to do. Please make sure that you are following us. We are at Dreams and Drive across social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So make sure you're sharing this episode, posting it to your Instagram stories, texting it to a friend, sharing on LinkedIn, wherever you are or online. Just pay this forward and share this with somebody. We really appreciate it. And all the sharing that you do helps us grow our community. If you want to join our email newsletter, The Keys, and get weekly updates delivered to your inbox, just go to dreamsanddrive.com slash join. That's dreamsanddrive.com slash join. And lastly, if you know somebody who would be great for this show, or if you are someone who would be great for this show, please go to dreamsanddrive.com slash pitch. I'm always accepting new guests. I'm always accepting new pitches. So I love to see those pitch requests coming in. Keep dreaming, keep driving, and we'll chat again in the next episode. Bye, guys.